So in Hebrews chapter 6, it says, let us, move, let us move away from or let us move beyond the elementary teachings of Christ, not laying again a foundation of, and then he goes on to list six uh, foundational topics. The writer of Hebrews could have written way more than six because there are, a, there are a lot of foundational things, basic things that we need to understand, grasp, apply, move in. Um, for us to grow into maturity. And it it even goes on to say, and and this you will do. You will go on to maturity if the Lord allows it, meaning that the Holy Spirit works in your life. Those basic principles plus the Holy Spirit operating in your life moves you on to maturity. Every month we're taking a different topic. We're going to cover about 10 topics total over the course of this year, 2018. And the month of May is about the Holy Spirit. Um, The first week we actually talked again about community and we talked about the giving thing. And so last week was actually the first week we talked about it. And I wanted to remind you of what we said because it's super important as we move forward. Um, The sermon in the sentence last week was that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is a continuation of the ministry of of Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm not going to re-preach that sermon, but I do want to I want to bring attention to that that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is a continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. If you love Jesus Christ and your whole life is about um, being an imitator of him, living your life worthy of the calling that you have received in him, we affirmed and, and even taught specifically that it's impossible without the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit was help, uh, sent to help us continue that work of Jesus in our lives, right? And we're going to talk more about that tonight. Really quick, what I want you to do is I want you to look at uh, Acts chapter 2. When you think of the Holy Spirit, this is almost the very first thing that you think of. Hey, love, could you go get my glasses? Yes. Yeah, I'll share that. This is new to me. I'm not, I'm not remembering my glasses. When you get over 40, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, thank you. Totally forgot my glasses. So Melissa's going to get my glasses. I'll uh, kill time. Did you guys hear the one about the... Um... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so Acts chapter 2 is, is kind of our go-to place in scripture when we talk about the Holy Spirit because we know it's the day that the Holy Spirit came down. And in fact, it opens with on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had come, Acts chapter two, verse one, when the day of Pentecost had come real quick, that's a, you know, people think that the Pentecostals invented the day of Pentecost. No, the Pentecost, yeah, no, (laughs) for real. Pentecostals named themselves after a holy day that Israel celebrated, one of the seven feasts, or seven of them. Pentecost was the fourth one. And um, Pentecost came 50 days, like Chad was saying, after the feast of Passover. And so these guys were together when the feast of Pentecost, or the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And it shouldn't have been a surprise that they were all together in one place. Of course they were, because it was a feast that they would have been celebrating. 
Anyway, now I can read. So it says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there, and let's just pause right there. If you know the story, you know that it goes on to talk about some amazing things that happened, and we're going to get actually into a little more of those next week. But you continue on past some of those amazing things, and we know, we've talked about it twice already tonight, that Peter delivers this amazing Sermon. He starts quoting Joel chapter 2. All these people, it says that they were cut to the heart. And they asked, what do we need to do? And then he says, you need to repent. You need to be baptized. And you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know the story. 3,000 people got saved. I can't help but be reminded that just 50 days earlier, the same guy who just led all these people to the Lord, one of the most famous sermons ever recorded, 50 days earlier, he was denying Jesus to a little girl outside of the temple with a fire. This guy had nothing to say. Aren't you with Jesus? He's like, wow, he scared this little, you know, eight-year-old girl. I don't know how old she was. What happened? What happened between the, the evening that Jesus was crucified where Peter denied him three times, once to a little girl, and even cussed when he, when he did it. Dang it, I don't know the man. So 50 days later, the guy comes unglued and is leading everybody to the Lord. And the birth of the church happened. What, what's the difference? What happened? It's simple. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. We think of Acts chapter 2 as the uh, place to go to for the Holy Spirit. And of course, it talks about They spoke in tongues and the sermon. But I want to back up to chapter 1. Because the whole point of Acts chapter 2 is revealed to us in chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. So let's go there all the way back up. I want to remind you real quick while you're moving your eyes to the top of that page of one conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. There's two conversations that he has that are really important right before he goes um, back to heaven. One of them is in Matthew 28. You guys remember the story. Hey guys, I want you to go into all the nations and I want you to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm gonna be with you always. I will be with you always. It's one of the last things he says is go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. So clearly, one of the things that was on Jesus' mind is what Peter rocked on the day of Pentecost, that he was this powerful witness, right? Can I go ahead and give you my sermon in a sentence tonight? Let me give you this. I think it's up there. I don't have a ton on PowerPoint, but this is on there. Listen, we will be a much better witness. We will be much better witnesses when we wait for that which the Father has promised. Okay, he, he, in Acts, I mean, uh, Matthew 28, he says, I want you to go and be a witness. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey me. And he says, I'm going to be with you always. He was wanting his disciples, anyone that declared themselves as a disciple, to go and to be a witness. 
It's not that he didn't also want them to live like Jesus and live pure and, and to live an unadulterated life and, and you know, do those things. He, he did. Of course, we're supposed to be Christ-like. But one of his things, two of the last things that he says, you'll see. One, Matthew 28, go and make disciples. Of all the things he could have said, he could have said, y'all remember that night when we were... He didn't. He says, go and make disciples. I got to go. But what I want you to do is I want you to go and I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to go and make disciples, okay? So that's Matthew 28. And then right here is the second conversation, really, that is recorded that he has just before he goes. And so let's begin reading. This is Acts chapter 1. The first count I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. I want to just clarify real quick. The first account is the book of Luke. The book of uh, Luke wrote the book of Acts. He also wrote the book of Luke or the gospel of Luke, okay? One of the things you might not know about Luke is that Luke is the longest and the most detailed description of the ministry of Jesus. So you could say that, that Luke really had a grasp on the ministry of Jesus. How interesting is it that he is also the, the one that got to write really specifically and detailed about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's like he got that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is just a continuation of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The first account I composed Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and to teach, book of Luke, until the day when he was taken up into heaven after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles which he had chosen. So he gave some orders to the apostles, okay? Verse three, to these he also presented himself alive after his suffering, suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a, a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Okay, so after Jesus' resurrection for 40 days, he showed himself to a lot of people and proved that he truly was alive is what it's saying. Verse four, check this out. <clears throat> Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. Okay, wait, hold up. Matthew 28, he says, I want you to go to all the nations. Go to all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and Son. Be my witnesses in every nation. And then here he says, I want you to, he says, do not leave Jerusalem. And of course, I stopped dramatically. But look what it says. I do want you to go, but you got to wait for what the Father has promised. Do not leave Jerusalem. Do not go, but wait for what the promise his Father uh, has promised. Which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6 says, so when they had come together, they were asking him, Lord, is this the time when you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he's like, listen, the times and the epochs and all of that is not for you to know. That's, that stuff is fixed, but... <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm just loving this. He says, don't worry about that stuff, guys. That's end time stuff. That's stuff that's going to happen at the end. You guys are thinking way. He says, I'm thinking about here and now. Don't get into this end time. Don't get caught up with the times. That's, that stuff's about my father's authority. He knows the day and the hour and all that. Don't get caught up with that. Here's what I want you to get caught up with. Look what he says. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's what I want you to be concerned with. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem 
and in Judea, and in Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Okay, now we see this conversation connected to the last conversation. Don't get caught up with all that stuff. Not that it's not important. Not that end time stuff isn't important. Not that restoration of Israel is not important. But I want you to focus on what I am about to do. You will receive power. And look what he says. He even, he even gets specific. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in um, Judea, Samaria, and in most parts of the world. Look back up in verse 5. He says this is going to happen not many days from now. Guys, focus Focus, because a few days from now, something that has never happened is about to happen. Now, here's what I want to do. I want us to look at three uh, three phrases that Jesus says here, because if we don't understand what these three things mean, not necessarily in their entirety, but at least a basic understanding of this, we're not going to be picking up what Jesus is laying down, okay? The first thing I want to focus on is the phrase that he said, you will be Not many days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, that phrase right there is one of the scariest phrases in the church. Am I right? (laughs) Come on, you know it is. Because most people don't know what it means, and and some people think they know what it means, and other people don't want to know what it means. Can I just tell you in a nutshell what Jesus is saying Think of it this way. You're going to be baptized a few days now. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm actually going to talk very much about um, being baptized with the Holy Spirit next week. So I'm not going to give up too much away. But in this very basic form, what Jesus was talking about was what the J- prophet Joel was talking, talking about in Joel chapter 2. In the last days, or in, in, in later days, I am going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to pour it out. He says, I'm going to put, pour it all, uh, out on all mankind. If you have New King, uh, New King James or King James Version, it says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Okay? Now think about what this means, because this is an event that is prophesied would happen. In later days, I'm going to, there's going to be an event, and that event is, will be whenever I pour out my spirit on all flesh. How did the Holy Spirit engage mankind before then or previously. Well, we see it all over the place. We see it um, with Samson. We see it with David. We see it with Gideon. We see it with Saul. It says many, many times that the spirit of the Lord came upon David or Samson mightily and with power. And then like Samson is all ripping up lions with his hands and killing people with a jawbone and all that kind of stuff. We know David killed Goliath and he did all those things. He was anointed king. Saul would prophesy the spirit of the Lord. Spirit came upon Saul and he would prophesy. It's almost like in the Old Testament, the way that the Holy Spirit engaged mankind, and it was according to God's will, obviously, but it's almost like God just just sprinkled. You know, let's use that idea of water because I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'll pour out my spirit. Like in the Old Testament, it's like he just kind of sprinkled people with water, you know, and it was enough sprinkling to give them enough power to do whatever that deed was for that day or for that season. You guys understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> and like I said, um, Saul, he would, it would come upon him, but sometimes the spirit would come out and he would prophesy. But Joel specifically says, in fact, let me, let me see if I can read it. Joel specifically says, oh, did I not write it down? Yeah, 
says, it will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, all flesh, and your sons and your daughters. All of them are going to prophesy. All of them. Your old men are going to dream dreams. Your, your young men are going to see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Right there in Joel chapter 2, 28 and 29, it says it twice. I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. I will pour out my spirit in those days. Okay, so in the, think of it this way. In the old, again, in the Old Testament, it's like the Holy Spirit would come upon people. It would come upon David. It would come upon Gideon. But in the New Testament, there was this event that would happen where the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out. Think of it. Not just a sprinkling on somebody for a season, but a one good final pouring. He's going to empty out, pour out his Holy Spirit on to mankind. Now, why am, I, why am I bringing attention to that? Because, listen, guys, that event has happened. Listen to what I'm saying. That event has happened on Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was poured, up, poured out on all flesh and specifically um, made available for anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the full power of the Holy Spirit is available to any man who wants him or is following God. You guys, you guys see that? How many of you have ever, um, have you ever been asked, um, well, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? How many have been asked that? Some people make that a really big deal. Okay, listen to me. <clears throat> and listen to me carefully, okay? <laughs> so you're not misquoting me or anything. If someone asks you, well, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? You know, technically, you could say yes. You ever thought about that? Because that event has happened. Apparently, all flesh has been baptized with the Holy Spirit. All men. And again, we're, we're talking about Christians here, but... If you are in Christ, you're a new creation, and you have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in you, right? We, we, we teach about this all the time. It's not like even the Holy Spirit is a new topic around here. So most of you, you're filling in the gaps here. But think about it. Yes, I, I have. Because God poured out his flesh, uh, his spirit on all flesh a couple thousand years ago. Okay? Now, that question also has to be asked personally, though. Right? Yes, God poured out his spirit on all flesh. But have you let him pour out his spirit on your flesh? You guys hear what I'm saying? There is a difference, and I'm going to talk about that next week. But I want you to see that this event has happened. God made something available to every man and woman upon the earth that had never been made available before. And that was the full power of throttle of his Holy Spirit. You guys see that? So let's keep reading. Then he says, um, well, before he even talks about baptism of the Holy Spirit, he says, <clears throat> says he gathered them together and he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. Well, the whole commission, the whole great commission to go out and make disciples had already been declared. But now he's saying to wait for the, the um, wait for what the Father has promised. Listen to me, and this is simple. What they were to wait on was that event. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Wait for that which my father has promised. They are waiting for that event. So when he says wait for that, um, that is specifically to them. Guess what? We don't have to wait for that event. So when we read it and think, oh, well, we need to consider this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes, you do. 
well, we, we need to wait for it. Well, actually, no, you don't have to wait for that because that event, event has happened. You guys hear what I'm saying? Well, I'm just going to wait another couple thousand years and maybe he'll pour it out again. No, no, no. It happened. That was a one-time event, just like the bloodshed of Jesus making atonement for all. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved now. Why? Because Jesus, once for all, went into the Holy of Holies as that pure and spotless sacrifice. That was a one-time event. That's why we don't have to do sacrifices and all that stuff every time of year. The Holy Spirit came once. You hear what I'm saying? So that event, um, we don't have to wait for that event. Okay, so what, how does it apply to us? What does the waiting apply to us? Because that, that was the second phrase. Baptize the uh, Holy Spirit. The other thing is wait for the gift or wait for what my Father has promised. Well, how does that apply to us? Well, anytime you are going to um, move or do or serve or witness or communicate or anything, don't you want to first make sure you got the Holy Spirit with you? So before I make that decision... I need to wait and make sure that the Holy Spirit's leading me. Because Scripture says that he guides us into all truth, right? Before I, um, maybe I have, you know, something really important um, um, to do spiritually. Maybe I'm going to witness or whatever. Well, don't don't I want to go do that in the power of the Holy Spirit? So I want to wait for the Holy Spirit. What would be the opposite of not waiting for the Holy Spirit? Doing it in the flesh, Right? I mean, again, we talked about this last week, but that's the whole contrast that Paul's talking about over and over and over is that thing with spirit versus flesh. Spirit versus flesh. John 3, 6 says, flesh gives birth to flesh. Y'all with me? Flesh gives birth to flesh. So if I'm going to do something in the flesh, well, what I'm going to get is flesh, right? Right? But the spirit gives birth to spirit. Galatians 6, I like it the way he says, uh, Paul says it right here, even though Jesus said the other one. I like it the way Paul says it here. Listen, whoever sows seed or whoever sows to please their flesh or whoever sows according to the flesh, what they're going to reap is the flesh. He specifically says destruction. If you're going to sow in the flesh, you're going to reap destruction. But whoever sows from the spirit or in the spirit from the spirit will he will reap and he goes on to say eternal life which makes sense because the spirit brings life right law brought death the spirit brings life so anytime you're going to do anything you have to wait that apply, waiting applies to us and that I need to wait on the Holy Spirit there have been so many decisions that my wife and I have had to make over the years and if I would imagine that we're not the only ones. Some of you, how many of you feel like you're, you're like right in the middle of needing to make a really big decision? Like right now, you, you know, you sense it's one of those. Like this could be a game-changing decision. Raise your hand. Raise your hand high. This is a family right here. It doesn't matter if you, if it's bad, listen, they can handle it. You guys, you know how important it is for you to wait now, again, you're not waiting for the gift the Father has promised. You already got that. You're waiting for the answer that Father, the Father has promised because he will guide you in the truth. He will hear from the Lord and he will disclose to you the very thoughts of God. We talked about that last week. You hear what I'm saying? Wait. You got to wait on the Spirit before you do anything. The last thing that he says 
is that you will receive power to be my witnesses. Let's go back to the conversation that he had with his disciples about the Great Commission. Listen, I don't know if we understand truly, truly, truly how intense this idea of us going and spreading the good news is on the heart of Jesus. It's like, again, of all the things, the, the, the last couple times he was together, he could have said, you remember that time we found Zacchaeus up in that tree? He was a wee little man. Y'all remember that? We had, we had to get a ladder to get him down, you know? He could have talked about Lazarus coming up. Y'all remember he was supposed to stink, but that dude was fresh. He could have started if all things, and he said, this is what I want, I want to go out. This is the bang I want to go out with. Please go tell people about me. Yes, you have me. Yes, you have me. But there's a world that doesn't have me. And I want to fill you up. He, several different times he says, it's best that I go away. I need to go away. John chapter 16, he says, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I will send him. Another place in John 14, he says, listen, guys, right now I am with you, like in the present. But very soon I'm going to be in you. Because right now I am with you, but very soon I will be in you. And that's what he says. A couple days from now, you are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was with his disciples, but he would be in them. They could see him now, and they could hear him now, and they could touch him now. They could walk... They could watch him walk on water. They watched him heal people. They watched him raise people from the dead. Jesus was with them on the outside, and that was a killer season in history for them. But Jesus needed the whole world to see him. You hear what I'm saying? He wanted the whole world to hear the message, to touch him. Uh, He wanted his disciples to be a witness. He wanted the whole world to witness the power of Jesus. And again, um, you think about that conversation with Nicodemus. You must be born again. You must be born of the must be born of the Spirit. It's so interesting that dynamic of, of the birth thing. Anyway. Back to what I was saying, we will be much better witnesses when we wait for that which the Father has promised. Connect it one more time to the Great Commission. He's serious about it. He's serious about the Great Commission, making disciples, going and telling people about Jesus, right? And he specifically says right there in Acts chapter 1, not many days from now, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and for a specific purpose. He could have said, you're going to receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. Speak in tongues. And it's going to be awesome. Or he could have said, you will receive power not many days from now so that you can prophesy or so that you can discern spirits or any of the other manifestation gifts that you find right there in 1 Corinthians 12. Of all the things he could have said, he, you're, going to receive, you're going to receive power and <laughs> whatever. I can start getting silly. But of all the things he said, let's read it straight from his red letters. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. You shall be my witnesses. 
in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all, even the remotest parts of the world. Again, those last two conversations, the Great Commission, Jesus just wants us to make him known. Going back to the story of Peter, again, 50 days before, the dude couldn't even witness to an eight-year-old girl around a fire. He couldn't even talk to a little kid about Jesus. It's not that he was a bad guy. He'd been walking with Jesus for three years. He had the words. (laughs) He had the stories. He had the healings. He had all kinds of stuff. But what he didn't have was the power of the Holy Spirit so that he could be a witness. You hear what I'm saying? And then you fast forward here to Acts chapter two, and I love it. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, and we're, we're talking, you know, he said not many days from now. There, so there had been a few days. They could have he, they could have just said, man, we've been waiting. We don't even know what we're waiting for because they didn't understand the connection between the Feast of Pentecost and what Jesus was going to do. They didn't get that. I mean, Peter is notorious for stepping out on his own, in, in the flesh, isn't he? Cutting off people's ear. That's flesh, Right? Jesus, you'll never go to the cross. Get behind me, Satan. You guys remember these stories? He was notorious for this. But one thing he got right, (laughs) he waited. He waited. He waited. And then we read, the day of Pentecost has come. They were all together. All this great stuff happens. I don't want to read it now because we're going to read it next week. All these uh, these people everywhere because it was a feast that everybody had to come to Jerusalem for. People started accusing them of being drunk. Nobody understood what was going on. The power of the Holy Spirit was just crazy. People were hearing the gospel in their own language. They said, you guys must be full of that sweet wine. (laughs) I love that. And Peter, now look, you guys, it says, but Peter, this is chapter two, verse 14, but Peter Taking his stand. That's the juice right there, you guys. He couldn't take his stand out in the courtyard around that fire with that little girl. And he probably towered over that little kid. Couldn't even take a stand. But this day, this day, it says that he took his stand, raised his voice and declared to them. And then he goes on. And you know what he starts preaching? Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. I'm not going to read all of it, but it says, these guys aren't drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour, dude. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. It shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall see dreams. He's quoting, quoting it. Straight, and he goes on and on and on to quote it. And then again, we know the story. He goes on and he leads these people to the Lord. And I want you to notice this. The guy said, it says that they were, everybody was pierced to the heart. And Peter said, and the rest of the apostles said, brothers, well, they said to Peter, what shall we do? And Peter said again, repent, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he could have said, and that's all you got, that's all you got to do. If you'll just repent, say you're sorry, be baptized, join a church, get into some sort of program, right? He could have left it right there. He could have dropped the mic and went home and be like, look at that sermon I preached. 
But that's not what he ended with. Each of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk more about that next week. Exactly what he's talking about there. But I want to make known that he did not leave out the Holy Spirit. If you were here last week, we talked about how many people see the Holy Spirit as this it. The Holy Spirit's not an it. It's a he, the third part of the Trinity that we have the ability to have a relationship with. The Holy Spirit is someone we can wait on and depend upon to do what he says that he will do. I want you to stand with me. Remember I said we will be much better witness when we wait for that which the Father has promised. Something that I said last week is that our initial connection with God has been made possible through Jesus. You guys listening? Our initial connection with God has been made possible through Jesus. Everybody understand that? I am now reconciled to God in Christ because of the work of the cross. But listen, your continual connection with God is made possible through the Holy Spirit. I don't know why God set it up that way, but he did. If you want a continual connection with God, it's not that you don't look to Jesus anymore. It's just that now the Holy Spirit has filled you in his job. Jesus specifically said, the job of the Holy Spirit is to point to me as I point to God. And the Holy Spirit is wanting desperately to point to Christ in your life. And what's crazy is as in, in, our, in our religiosity, we can go in circles, in circles, trying to please Jesus and do it without waiting on the Holy Spirit, acknowledging the Holy Spirit, ignoring the Holy Spirit. Did you know that you can't please Jesus if the Holy Spirit is trying to nudge you to do this or to make the right decision or convict you of that sin and you're ignoring it? Well, then how are you able to, to walk with Christ if you're ignoring what the Holy Spirit is doing? And that's a little, I know that can be a little bit, um, well, where's the line? How do you know when? We're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. The main thing I want us to be committed to is not to be satisfied with just kind of an Old Testament experience with the Holy Spirit. Well, every now and then he does something great in my life. Sprinkles me a little bit. Samson was sprinkled and you know, David was doused a little bit. No, what God wants to do is he wants to just like completely submerge you in water. Every decision, every thought is surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Something comes up that's ungodly. The Holy Spirit, who always provides us a way to move around and get away from that, he speaks, he moves Are we ignoring or are we waiting on him? I'm not going to do this because the Holy Spirit's leading me not to do that. What I'd like to do is I'd like to pray for you. And I'd love for you to to close your eyes just to kind of get focused. Because I think when you talk about the Holy Spirit, there's always an opportunity 
for the Lord to do something fresh and new because even in scripture it says to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, the event has already happened, yes, but we have the ability to be continually filled. So there's this continual working and surrendering of the Holy Spirit in our lives, this, this continual staying under the water, I guess I could say. You might be here and you may not, you may not have even heard any of this and the idea of submitting to the Holy Spirit is never even something you've ever heard of. And so this is a great night for you. Or maybe you're here and you just know you've kind of strayed from the waiting. You've been making decisions according to the flesh, according to what you think is right. Scripture says that man has a way that he thinks is right, but in the end it leads to destruction. It's not a waiting on the spirit. Wherever you're at specifically, I would just love for you to, to um, respond to the Lord with the appropriate prayers, acknowledgements. I'm going to pray and I'm going to officially dismiss us, but we have a couple of different ways that you can reach out to the Lord. We have a communion table over here to the right of the stage and because we have this big old, big old altar up here up front that you can come and just kneel quietly before the Lord and talk to him and listen over to the right of the stage, or yeah, over here to the left of the stage, rather. People will be available to pray with you. Maybe there's something that you need to ask someone to pray for you for. But one way or the other tonight, would you acknowledge the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, would you acknowledge the Holy Spirit is wanting to continue the good work that Jesus has started in you and he wants to bring it to a completion until the day of Christ Jesus, until the end. It's the Holy Spirit that is moving. When scripture says that it's in him that we live and move and have our being, that happens through this relationship with the Holy Spirit. I get quiet before the Lord I hear those still small whispers when he nudges me in the right direction. I'm seeking him about a decision and I don't have to wonder. I just have to wait until he makes it clear. Sometimes he makes things clear through his word. Sometimes he makes things through, clear through um, the counsel of many. But he does make things clear. He does lead and he does guide. So if you're here tonight and you've been in need of the Holy Spirit and all that he is and all that he has to offer. I just want to encourage you to to allow a moment for him to minister to you. I'm going to pray and you guys can, we're dismissed and you guys can minister to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Thank you that you just don't leave us on our own. You never have. Thank you for the clarity that you gave the early apostles about what you were doing that you were going to pour out your spirit on all flesh, that no man, no woman, no child, young or old, would ever have an excuse to lead their lives into destruction because you have provided a way in Christ through the Holy Spirit for us to find you, follow you, and live the life that you've called us to live. I pray for everyone tonight as they reach out to you that you would hear their prayer, that you would answer their prayer, and they would connect with you. 
We love you, Lord. And we, again, we, we affirm that we believe in God our Father. We affirm that we believe in Christ the Son. <clears throat> and we believe in the Holy Spirit. And we're so thankful. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.